Beethoven Confidential and Brahms Gets Laid by Ken Russell, a preface. Beethoven Confidential started life as a play by my co-author Joe Anderson, a talented author-actor who sent it to me proposing we turn her work of art into a screenplay. Inspired by her fascinating treatment of the subject in terms of drama and humor, I was also intrigued by the story of the rivalry between two would-be biographers in a quest for the immortal beloved, Beethoven's secret love. It was a wonderful whodunit, or, to be more precise, who was it? In next to no time, we had produced a script, found a producer, our German locations, and our cast, which included Jodie Foster, Glenda Jackson, and Anthony Hopkins as the deaf genius. The only thing we did not find was the money, so the film was never made. Disaster, horror, tragedy, two years of work for nothing. But an original conception about one of the greatest musical geniuses of all time was too good to waste. So here it is in print, one of the most bizarre and compelling detective yarns of all time. And here we have not one private eye, but two. Personal friends of Beethoven pitted against each other in a race to reveal the mystery they still say could never be solved. And they were right until now. Of course, Bach, Beethoven, and Brahms, the three big names in classical music today, are the same as they were well over a century ago, and so far there are no signs in any change in the great triumvirate, though Brahms was also renowned for the three bees of his own beer, beard, and belly. Tradition has it that he died a confirmed bachelor and a respected pillar of society who liked nothing better than a pint at the local after an evening of music-making and a walk through the black forest on weekends with his mates. And he was a kind to his mum, respectfully of his dad, and probably one of the most reliable babysitters of all time. But what of his sex life? What's what sex life? Surely this cozy old soul was above such stuff as babies are made of. Really, have you listened to his music? Agreed, the academic festival overture paints the picture of a beer-swilling Brahms, full of student bonhomie, with whom we have come to know and love. But take a listen to his inner movements of his third symphony for a sensuality that is hard to beat. If it is white-hot passion you're after, try the opening of the first symphony, and tell me that doesn't have balls. And surely there's a section in the fourth that can only be the sex act set to music. Brahms probably knew more about sex than any composer before or since. After all, he was born in the red-light district of Hamburg and spent his formative years playing honky-tonk piano in every whorehouse in town. Well, not all of them, perhaps, but he certainly knew his way around. This knowledge set me thinking, as did my investigation into his close association with the insane genius of the keyboard, Robert Schumann, and his psychologically disturbed wife and kids. So hold on to your hats for the sex romp of the 19th century.